Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey, 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 guys, welcome to Excellence Expected. Now, I don't know why. But I had the urge then to open the show with a... Do you remember the old Batman TV show? I don't know why, it just must be in my head. It's really bizarre, I apologise, I digress. You are used to my UK eccentricities by now, I am sure. Now, let's define, challenge and conquer leadership. Specifically, how you can act like a strong leader and ensure that you are leading your workforce to success. Now, small business owners generally that I speak to do struggle with this and I am no different. I struggle with this so, so much and certainly from myself and the friends that I that I sort of converse with about this, the reason is that we just, we didn't expect to become leaders. We just set our business up and we didn't know where it was going to end up. So personally, I've got a real vested interest in overcoming this particular problem and joining me today to help overcome that with you guys is someone who is not only the founder of an executive coaching company, executive communications coaching company called Zone 2, but my guest is also an experienced actor here in the UK. So this is going to be such a fabulous interview. So welcome to the show, Mr. Robin Kamod. How are you, sir? Hello, Mark. Thank you for having me. Very nice to be here. Now, that was a bit of a ramble. I don't know why I uh, wanted to open the show with a Batman theme to you. Can you remember the old Batman TV series? I can, yeah. Batman. I think I think this, this maybe it's to do, because you thought you were going to be doing um, communication and you thought maybe uh, we'll start with a big, big bang, you know, try and grab the audience <laughs> right at the beginning. I think that's probably what it was. It could have been that, yeah. Subconsciously there, Mark. I think that's what it was. That's probably what it was. Or the alternative is that my wife's going to come in in about an hour's time, realise I've not made any dinner and power me straight to the face so it, well you've got to get ready it could be that one but uh, <laughs> now that's amazing now robin you have you have been and are an experienced actor and i just wanted to pick up something you popped in your bio because i grew up loving men behaving badly and you were actually in that weren't you sir well i, I was in one series of it yeah yeah it was great fun they're, they're a fantastic team it was it was really really nice amazing yeah, it's great great show it was, uh, it was such a fantastic thing to watch as I was sort of coming through my late teens. So amazing, really fantastic. Now, obviously, you've, you, you've sort of got the experience in the acting uh, side of things. You've got the communica- communication skills, which obviously led to Zone 2. But let's put the two together. How did, you, how did you go from being the actor to founding Zone 2? What's that journey look like? Well, I'll tell you what it was. It is I was, I was asked to do um, a best man speech when I was in my late 20s. And, and I couldn't understand why I was so nervous because I was an actor. I was used to standing up in front of people. And suddenly there I was, you know, in, in front of um, an audience in front of. But I, I was being myself, you see. And I thought that was obviously the reason. So the, the, the thing that actors are very good at is playing a character. So, you know, you tend not to have any nerves if you're playing somebody else because you, you, you've rehearsed it and you've, you, know, you know what all the other actors are going to do. And you're pretty much on top of it. But when when you're standing there as yourself, you can't say, actually, this is the character. In other words, if you don't like what I'm doing, you can blame the character. You can blame the author. You can't know. You can't any of that because this is this is me standing there. And so I try to work it out, what, work out what it was that made people uncomfortable. Because I talk, you know, talk to lots of people and everyone said, oh, I hate public speaking. And um, and I've sort of changed the, the, the words around because I hate the, the words public speaking are incredibly annoying. 
because it implies there's, there's something you're sort of speaking at an audience. And really what we want to do is we want to have a conversation. So I would say to people, if you can uh, have, uh, you know, connect with your audience in, in, in a relaxed family way, you know, maybe with your friends and family in, in the pub or around a dinner table or whatever, and you can tell them the story of your holiday. You can tell them the story of your childhood. You can tell them the story of your business, whatever it might be. And you can probably even tell a few jokes. But you put those people up on the stage, um, you know, in front of, I don't know, you know, a thousand people or 500 people or whatever and all of us get a bit oh that's a large number and suddenly it doesn't feel like a conversation anymore and we suddenly think oh I, i've got to be something different so what i try to do is i try to work out what it is that stops people being themselves in pressured situations so whether that's um the pressured situation maybe of a job interview um a one-to-one -one meeting a tv interview or standing up and giving a, a big talk it's the same the same uh, the same pressure, really, that or the, the, the pressure results in the same um, uh, effect on the brain, which is that people, for some reason, find it hard to be themselves. So that's what I do. I'm a sort of conduit between trying to get the, the, the most relaxed the person can be up on stage. But obviously what we want to do when people are up on stage uh, or giving a talk is we want them to sort of nail their subject. We want them to get to the point. And... So this this requires a bit of a bit of prep. A lot of a lot of leaders say to me, "I don't really have time to prep, so I'd rather wing it." You know, in fact, in fact, I get I get um, I'm worried I might get a bit stagey. You know, if 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 I've over rehearsed. And I said, "Well, actually, that's a bit of a cop out. What we've got to do is be really really clear about what what your objectives are, what you want the audience to feel, what you want the audience to do at the end of your talk, and so we can sort of grab them, um, take them on a journey, but then." That's all our prep. So our prep means that we've got quite a tight message, but we deliver it in a really conversational style. What we can't have is, is a sort of you know, a, uh, a slick message delivered slickly, because then we come across you know as, as over over coached and over rehearsed, which is which is terrible. And we don't want a very conversational message, or rather loose message delivered conversationally, because then that just falls apart. So we've got to have a really tight message, but delivered almost effortlessly, as if it's spontaneous which of course it's not but it should feel spontaneous so that that's what i try to work on that's amazing and that is a really fantastic way to articulate that i think about some of the best speakers that i've seen one of the big things that stands out for me was um there was uh, in fact i've seen him keynote twice this year uh, pat flynn who regularly uh -huh. listeners to the podcast will, will obviously know and he delivered two fantastic keynotes only three four months apart that were wildly different and it seemed so spontaneous. He had a particular piece in his second one where it looked as if he had lost his train of thought. And it looked so spontaneous that people were shouting encouragement to him. And that, what you just said there, the way you articulated that was just the, the perfect way to phrase how he had done that. And I'd never considered it like that before. Yeah. So, so he will, you know, he will, he won't necessarily have, have rehearsed every single bit, mm. but he'll be very, very clear about certain sections of it. And for me, it's actually, uh, it's, it's the very opening that, that's the most important. You know, we, we've got it within, if you have read, there's a wonderful book, Malcolm Gladwell's, I'm sure your listeners will, will have read the Malcolm Gladwell's Blink, uh, which is about how we make judgments in the blink of an eye, you know, and that when we, when audiences do that, it's very, very, um, very quickly. So we've got really about one one sentence, I reckon, to grab an audience. We walk up to the center, we start speaking, and within about that first sentence, the audience will have decided whether they like you or not, whether they trust you or not, whether they think you're empathetic, whether you think you're a good listener, whether they, whether you look like you want to be there, whether you look comfortable in your own skin. And 
you will also hopefully have articulated why the hell they're there and what you know what what's what you know what what's in it for them and um i think one of the things that i i i miss most in in, in when i when i watch people making speeches is that I, I i often think yeah that's really interesting but i'm not quite sure why you told me i'm not quite sure what you want me to do at the end of it so it's interesting but i've better get back to my job now so i'm not quite sure why i was here and I think that's the bit that we've got to nail. We've really got to nail it right at the beginning. So for me, it's about um, telling the audience right at the beginning exactly why they're there, but in a tone that is not in any sense a lecturing tone. It's got to be really, really conversational. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, the conversational tone is, is rather curious. And I'm, I'm equally curious to dig into how this particularly relates to leadership, because they're not necessarily <clears throat> things that you would put together. So what's the connection? Well, um, it's interesting. You know, I wrote an article recently about you know how, how you sound like a leader, um, and there's something about um, the speed in which you, you you talk, the sound of your voice, um, the, the words you use. All that is is a sort of a whole um, uh, mix, really, of, of what makes a leader. But most importantly, I think for a leader, you, you've, you've got to be yourself. We've got to feel. If you if you want someone to follow you, you've got to feel that they're being honest. In other words, they're being authentically themselves. In other words, I think this person is being is not not trying to pull the wool over my eyes here. I I believe them. They I believe they believe what they're doing, and therefore I want to follow them because I, I think the same thing. So the people have got to be themselves. But what often happens is people change their voices. You know, as I'm sure you're aware, you know, you hear people and they they put on this this formal voice, and and they're often unaware of, of how they can stop doing it. Um, and uh, maybe, maybe later on, I'll give you give us a fantastic tip about how you can you can, you can get your own voice back um, in 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 nervous times. But um, so I think that interestingly enough, I, I was sitting next to someone at dinner last night, and, and he said to me, he said, "Oh, if you teach people to make speeches and you teach people to communication communication skills, you must hate it when people um and ah." And I said, "Do you know what? I really don't mind. But what I really hate is when people aren't using their own voice. So for me, it's about if the voice is." placed in the body in the right way so that I think, yeah, they're using the same voice they would use to me if I was having a drink with them or having a chat to them. They're not putting on a formal voice. If they're putting on a formal voice, then I tend not to trust them in the audience. The next thing I think as a leader we've got to do is we've got to be present. We've got to, and this, you alluded to this earlier about, about um, you know, the rehearsal and how much rehearsal time you have, but you, you've got to do your prep, but you've ultimately got to be present in the sentence you're in. So if you're saying, you know, well done, or if you're, you know, you're motivating an audience and you're saying that this is, you know, this is really important. I really want you to, to, to follow this idea. You've got to be in that moment. You can't be thinking about the next thing. And I, I was, I was watching um, a weather reporter on the news the other day, and I was, I was struck by how unpresent they often are. Because what they do is they, they finish one sentence and then they, you can see their mind is going on to the next one. So they'll say, so it'll sound something like this. Um, it would be uh, so. There'll be lots of uh, sunshine over the southern parts of the UK. Coming on to Monday, and you know that the second half of the, the first sentence, they've actually drifted off, and they're thinking about what they're going to say on the next sentence. And it's not nearly as as clear as there'll be lots of sunshine in the south of the UK. Coming on to Monday, in other words, you've got to be present in each sentence. So being yourself, being present, is very important. Starting well, we've talked about that. We've got to grab them well. Um, practice is important. Um, and I, I use this this thing. Of, uh, that I like people to speak with uh, energy, clarity, and humanity, those things, energy, clarity, and humanity. And we need energy. We need probably probably about 10% more energy than normal, but not 
not so much that we become a game show host and so that we, you know, we lose the authenticity, but a little bit more than normal. And then we want to have clarity. So that's clarity of our message. We've talked about that, the clarity of, of the structure of the message. But also the clarity of the delivery so that the audience isn't distracted by our, our own stuff, our own nerves, our um, body language, texts, whatever. We want to look very comfortable. So we have a clarity in the way we say it. But most importantly is the humanity. We've got to have this this uh, human connection with an audience. And if we don't have that, we're lost. I mean, you know, the, the Generation X, you know, the, the people born after 1990s, um, you know, they, they really don't want this old-fashioned command and control leadership style. They want, a, they want a leader who sounds human, who sounds like they listen to them, uh, and, and not, not just, you know, I think command and control is out, and we've got to slightly change the leadership style um, for, for many leaders. Yeah, I, I completely buy into that. And I always take that a touch further as well in my own mind, insofar as I often think that the people that are starting businesses now, and even people sort of, you know, my age, which is mid-30s, I often feel that when you're looking for clients, you want it to feel more collaborative. You want that mm. communication to be more open. It's much less a master-servant relationship now, isn't it? And I, I can see how... Totally that, totally that. And it feels really interesting that that, that, that has been quite a palpable shift over the last, mm. I don't know, 15 years, it feels to me. And the communication skills seem to be at the heart of that because we now choose people solely based on how we get along with them. You know, it's no longer mm. about how many widgets they can sell us or can they supply our demand. It's as much about this conversation as it is anything else. Is that well? That's right. And do, and do you want to spend? You know, do you actually want to spend? I have a long job. A job lasts whether it's five years or whatever. A job lasts now, you know, ten years or whatever. But do you want to spend the next few years in the company of these people? And if you don't, I think a lot of young people are saying we don't want to work in that way anymore. Life's too short, you know. Whereas my generation, uh, we know, was was brought up to you know to say. And I, I actually, of course. I then became an actor, so I, I didn't really go down the route. But but my friends from school who went down the corporate route, um, you know, felt that okay, we you know we have to get our head down. We'll work our way up through a company, and eventually we'll get there. We may not enjoy it all, but, but you know, but we'll do it. Entrepreneurs are slightly different because I think they always have a different sort of energy and and and, um, and they're slightly more maverick, um, you know, about it. But ultimately, I think you know what 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 the good leaders of today do is they don't make it about themselves. They make it about um, the orders you say that you know the the, um, the servant master relationship the other way around you know so so I think not making it about you is important. Um, the other thing I think in terms of connecting with a with a larger group is you know it's very easy to treat the audience as one mass of people, um, but of course an audience is made up of people in you know many different stages of their lives and and life's as we all know is is in a cycle so. Um, you know, some people will be happy, some people will be sad, some people, will, you know, had a bereavement recently, some people will just fall in love. So we can't treat the audience as one mass because there are all sorts of different uh, emotions going on in the audience that have nothing to do with you, just the way they've, they've come in that day. So we have to connect with all of them on a human level. And so if we use um, what I would call, um, you know, a natural human voice, which is where it's emotionally connected, um, in acting terms, you'd call it, you know, emotionally connected, then we can connect with the people who are happy and with the people who are sad at the same time. If, if our voice is not emotionally connected, and that's, that is connected with our emotional center, if it's not, um, uh, and it, I suppose that would be most um, easily understood by people, but if, if, you, if you spot somebody, you think they're speaking on their throat. So if I change what I'm doing now, I speak, at the moment I'm speaking 
uh, emotionally, I'm, I'm speaking uh, naturally connected, it's emotionally connected. If I change what I'm doing with my voice now, and I turn it onto my throat, and uh, so I'd use this sort of sound, which is the sound a lot of people use when they're giving a talk. So good afternoon, everybody, thanks for coming. Um, I really appreciate you being here. That's completely, it's not, it's not emotionally connected, that sound. But if you said, you know, good afternoon, really appreciate you being here, thanks for coming. It now sounds human again. So it's about where the, where the, where the voice is, and, and that's about um, making sure that we connect with every single member of the audience and not treating them with one mass. And I think that as, as, a leader, as a leader quality, I think that's vital. It's amazing that because you sometimes forget that you're doing it. Like I have no idea when I listen back to the, not only my own first episodes of the podcast, but even the biggest players in the world, when you listen at their earliest episodes, we all do the same thing as podcasters. It's very much, hi, welcome to the show. And it's, I know, I think we all, we all try, we all try and we all sort of think we're turning into TV presenters (laughs) and we think there's a way of doing it. And I think it takes, it takes a while to find your own style um, you know, and, and obviously, the more you do it, the, you know, the better you're going to get at it, the more relaxed you are, you know, um, there's, no, there's no doubt about that, you know, but, but um, and, and I think the other thing is that eventually, once, once you've, you've done it for a little bit, and you're a bit more relaxed, you know, you tend not to take yourself too seriously. And I think that's another thing for leaders as well is, is not to take yourself too seriously. There's a, there's a great um, uh, line from Billy Connolly, the, the uh, Scottish comedian, he's got this fantastic line, he says, never trust a man who when left alone in a room doesn't Sorry, never trust a man who, when left alone in a room with a tea cozy, doesn't try it on. You know, there's something, something about. You know, there's something about. You just want to, you know, you want somebody who can be a bit silly sometimes, and it's a bit, a bit maverick, you know. And uh, I think, think that that if it's too formal um, and without any humour, um, humour, of course, is interesting because when when we were at, at drama college learning to be actors, the um, they said we can teach you almost everything about how how to connect with an audience. So. Um, we can, you know, teach you rhythm and pace and voice and body language and all that stuff. There are two things we can't teach you. We can't teach you to be funny, unless you are, and we can't teach you to be sexy, unless you are. So one of the things I've tried to do is I try to thought, okay, can I teach people to be sexy? And can I teach them to be funny? And the answer is I don't think you can. I think my drama teacher was right when I was 21. Hey, there are some things you can teach and some things that just come natural. And I'll tell you what, sir, I am devoid of both those things as well. (laughs) That's amazing. So let's think about this from a cultural perspective. One thing that I'm quite curious about is, um, you know, the small business owners out there, we're kind of pondering ourselves and thinking that we're all really busy and we're all too busy to kind of develop ourselves in this manner. Like where the heck do you fit this into a day or into a week or into a month? But turning that on its head, what kind of impact can it have on you and your business if you don't take this kind of thing seriously? Oh, it, it, it's extraordinary. And do you know what? It doesn't take that long. It really doesn't. I mean, I was, I was working um, recently with the, the, the CEO of um, uh, one of the big supermarkets. And, um, uh, you know, and, and, and the, he, working with him and, and the board. And, um, and they had to talk to all their, their, their people, you know. And, um, and I worked with them probably only... I don't know, maybe four or five hours each in total, something like that. And the difference when they were on a big stage was just extraordinary. They, they were able just to understand how they can connect with their normal self in that pressured situation. And I think what happens is we get into bad habits. It's like you said, you know, we don't realize we're doing it, you know. So just somebody coming along and pointing out that, you know what, if you just do that, just be a bit more like yourself in these 
big situations in these big pitches or big speeches or whatever it might be, you know, or podcasts or, or you know, video links. A lot, a lot of CEOs now do do stuff where they, you know, they they have, um, you know, they'll do a, a video um, stuff for them on their website or whatever, you know, and and uh, and just just knowing how to sound natural um, is just pays dividends. And if you don't, I think you're just not. We're just not going to connect with these the, the younger generation, you know. Um, and, uh, and and then again, I work with a lot of young people who are starting out who, who have say to me, yeah, well, it doesn't really matter, does it? You know, because I'm just, you know, I'm, you know I'm, I'm modern and I'm a bit shuffly and whatever. And I think, yeah, you can be modern and shuffly and whatever, whatever the description of it is. <laughs> but I said, we've still got to be quite tight on the message. So, you know, we can deliver it incredibly conversationally. I mean, if you think of those, uh, probably Steve uh, Steve Jobs is probably the one that everyone quotes, you know, so, so those very slick presentations, you know, which look, they look effortless. You know, he's standing there with some, you know, new new iPod or iPhone or whatever it might be, and he's, you know, he's got these well sort of well rounded phrases, whatever. But they're all they've been crafted, they've been written for him. He's practiced them, they've videoed them, they watch them back. So by the time he actually comes to do it, it looks completely effortless. But it's not effortless, you know. It's just um, you know, there's a lot of work has, has gone into that. But I think in terms of um, Work, working with uh, entrepreneurs and small business leaders and whatever, and startups and that sort of stuff, is it doesn't take as much as you think. So when people say, oh, I haven't got the time to do it, I'm saying, do you know what? You've got you've got four or five hours, mate, and I really think that if you just concentrate on that, that will pay dividends on everything you do, every phone conversation you have, every meeting, the way you shake someone's hand, all that stuff. It's very, very subtle, uh, um, and it, well, we can learn it all. We really can learn it. That's very interesting how it plays into all different aspects of your life because you wouldn't necessarily think about it like that, would you? You wouldn't necessarily see the impact it could have. And do you know, do you know what you wouldn't? But but um, uh, I was working with a, a German CEO last year, and he was w- working on a, a shareholders speech in a shareholders meeting speech, and and he sent me an email last year on Christmas Eve, and I thought. You know, I thought it was Christmas Eve as a holiday. But anyway, I opened it up and it was a very sweet email. And he said, Look, I just want to thank you for all the, you know, the, the help on the, the speech. And that went very well and everything. He said, but I wanted to thank you particularly on Christmas Eve for something else. He said, because there was a side benefit to the coaching that I really wasn't expecting. And he said, I have a better relationship with my children now because I speak to them in a different tone of voice. Wow. And I thought, Wow. That's that. Those those are the things that make a difference. And therefore, not only will he do that to his children, but he'll also speak to his employees in a different tone of voice. You know, and I think it's just it's just sometimes just it's like looking in a mirror. You know, having a coach is like looking in a mirror. That's all it is. And and uh, and hopefully, you know, you know, a good coach and just feedback the relevant stuff. It's you know, it's not long term therapy. It shouldn't go on forever. You know, you 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 sort it out. You get some some tools, active tools to do it, and away you go. And then suddenly. Life is easy. You know, I, I said to my, my stepkids the other day, I said, look, if you go through life making other people feel special, life is so easy. If you go through life saying, look at me, everyone wants you to fall under banana skin. It's as simple as that. <laughs> I like that. And, you know, it's amazing how often that notion, you know, no matter how it's articulated, but it's amazing how often that notion comes up on the show because, in you know, in regardless of the realm that we're talking, whether it's marketing, whether it's digital, whether it's development, whether it's personal development or coaching, mm. whatever it is, it comes up so often. Just make people feel good about themselves, and your life yeah. will be so much easier. I mean, it's not it's not rocket science, is it? When you think about it, but what happens is, of course, particularly in terms of um, you know standing up and making a speech or something, all of the normal fight or flight responses that we get to nerves kick in, and suddenly. We find ourselves unable to do what we often do naturally, 
You know, so it's it, it's not that people can't do this. It's just that they sometimes find it difficult to do it in pressured situations. I think it's the pressure that does get to everyone. I can speak mm. from experience. You know, it gets to me in certain circumstances, whether it's a difficult mm. client conversation. I, I, I feel myself um, just tightening and, you know, my voice yeah. does change. And I kind of, I just can't control it. It's just. Yeah. And, and often what happens, of course, is you try to predict what their response is going to be. Mm. So you react before they've reacted. They may well react differently. And the trouble is if you. If you speak in a way that you expect a reaction from them, then they will react in that way because you've given them that in the tone of the voice in which you've said it. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely, yeah. And I think we've all been there. It's just one of the things that we, I guess it's one of the things we become hardened until we start to recognize that about ourselves. But until we take the next step and recognize it, there's absolutely yeah. no way of getting over that, is there? No, there isn't. But it, but it's not. It's not a, not a difficult thing to fix. It's just. It's just. You know. It's. It's knowing what you're trying to achieve, knowing what things are getting in the way and, um, and just slightly changing behavior a little bit, you know, and then the results are extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. That's fantastic. It really is. Do you know what, sir? I could talk to you for so long about this. This is such a good conversation and I'm finding it so fascinating. Alas, however, we must get to the actionable tips section, sir. Mm-hmm. So for people that want to get started with this, for people that perhaps want to, I wouldn't necessarily say change the leadership style, but enhance it using some of the skills that we've spoken about. Let's dig into the three actionable tips that you've put together. So if I may, I will press you for actionable tip number one, please. Okay. Well, actionable tip number one is about um, your voice and it's about getting your voice in the right way. So getting your voice in the right place. So the right place for your voice should be, weirdly, not your throat. Right? You would think it might be your throat. It's actually not. And it's actually your emotional center. Can I, can I ask you a question? About it? See if you, see if you, you, you're probably going to get this right, but um, where, where on your body do you think your emotional center is? It's got to be right at the center. of it. It's got to be right in the center. The, the center will be exactly where, so we're really specific oh, okay. about it. Okay, right in the center mass. Center mat, well, like sort of just below the yeah, diaphragm, kind of, sort of thing. Yeah, sort of just below the chest bone, below the rib, rib cage. Yeah, that that's a little higher. It's actually it's actually your gut. It's below your belly button. Oh wow! Okay, right? that's so it's right right down in your gut there. So that is your emotional. That's where that's where we get to where we feel sick, if we're nervous, where we get butterflies, if we're excited. That's our emotional center. Now, what we've got to try to do is speak from down there, and we've got to try to keep our throat open. But what happens is our um, throat tends to tighten and we tend to speak on our throat because we're trying to project often. That's what happens. Um, and we get that, that emotional disconnect. So it, when I was an actor, for example, it's very easy to, to, to um, I, I realized how easy acting was really because all you've got to do is say, but you've got to connect them with your emotional center. So if you had to say, I love you or I hate you in a, in a, in a uh, film or a TV thing or theater, if you'd say, I love you or I hate you, there's no acting there going on. But if I acted and I go, I love you, I hate you, right? It's, it's, it's not emotionally connected, right? It's got to be emotionally connected. So how do we connect? How do we take the tension off the throat and connect emotionally? Well, this is the best exercise I can give you. Now, what you're going to do is, it's, it, obviously, this is a podcast, so you can't see me doing this. This is probably just a good thing. Um, I what I want you to do is after, after this, I want you to, to, to try this. I want everyone listening to this to try this. This is absolutely extraordinary. It's the best voice exercise in the world. So what I'm going to get you to do is I'm going to get you to stick your tongue out, right? And I want you to say, 
the whole of Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty is obviously UK nursery rhyme. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. If you don't know Humpty Dumpty, you, you can count from one to ten. But I do Humpty Dumpty because it's funnier. So you're going to stick your tongue out as far as you can, and you're going to try and spit, say the whole of Humpty Dumpty. Now, obviously, your tongue's in the way, so it's quite hard to speak. But you're going to stick it as far as you can and try to articulate. And uh, I'll do it for you now. Um, it'll be a bit odd, but then I'll speak afterwards, and you'll, you'll see what happens to my voice. All right? <clears throat> okay, and I won't cheat this. So here we go. So um, I, I, you'll just have to, you'll hear the sound of me doing the first two lines with my tongue sticking out. So apologies for this. Okay, here we go. Right. So hum, I'm going to try to articulate and try to speak, even though my tongue's in the way. So Hunter Dunter sat a wall. Hunter Dunter had a bit full. And now if I speak without uh, that, what happens is your voice is much more forward. It's probably gone a little bit deeper and it's much more emotionally connected. So now if you were saying to an audience, um, you know, I think this is a great idea. It sounds like it's a great idea. It doesn't sound like it's not emotionally connected. So if you feel yourself, uh, rise, if you ever get to rising nerves, one of the best things to do is to, behind the scenes, don't do this in front of your audience, stick your tongue out, go to the bathroom, whatever, stick your tongue out, count from one to ten, or do the whole of Humpty Dumpty with your tongue sticking out. That is mind-blowing, because your your voice did exactly what you expected it to do then, which was... Yeah, I know, it's weird, isn't it? And also, of course, if you if you do, if everyone did, if anyone did that exercise um, for, uh, I don't know, if you did it, say, six times a day for a week, you will change your voice. And then what happens is that the, the open throat becomes the default position, as opposed to, um, you know, the tighter one, which is what most people's throats are. Well, all of my car journeys now are going to be full of Humpty Dumpty. That's it. I know you can always, and at the traffic lights, you can look at the person to your right. You see. <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. That is such a fantastic tip. That really is. That really is fantastic. So let's dig into actionable tip number two. How can you top tongue out Humpty Dumpty? Okay. The next one you can do is, is if, if you're um, feeling nervous um, and, and you, you get that slightly sort of shaky feel and you can have, you know, you can have that thing where people shake the piece of paper they're holding. You can, you can, you think everyone can see it and often they can't, but you, you, as a, as a speaker, you, you think, God, everyone, everyone's looking at me, you know, really, they can see that I'm, I'm a bundle of nerves in here. And, and often you can, you know, I, I, I watch people speak and you can see that paper flapping around and making a lot of noise, which is why people often, often had cards, of course, because it tends to make less noise than paper um, when they're nervous. But if you're, it, if you if you find yourself getting a bit nervous, one of the things you can do is you if you squeeze, you're going to get to so you stand in front of the audience. You're going to squeeze either your buttocks or your thighs. You're going to really not not squeeze them with your hands. You're going to clench them. Right, right. that would look odd. So you're going to you're going to clench them. Okay. So if you clench either your buttocks or your thigh muscles, which are the big the big um, uh, muscle groups there, what you do is it it stops you shaking. It's physically impossible to shake if you squeeze your buttocks. Wow. Really. Yeah, absolutely. It's physically, but well, you can force yourself to shake, but it's not going to shake naturally. That's stunning. Do you know what? Like, that's really interesting because that's going to get a lot of people out of a lot of pickles. But I just can't help but wonder how people mm -hmm. discovered that that stopped you shaking. Um, I don't know. I just came up with it one day. I don't know. I, I don't know. I tried it. I just, I thought, oh, well, that works. That's <laughs> so amazing. I, I think that's, that's, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's really good, yeah. It's a great it's way good. because quite often I, I do it when I'm angry. Honestly, I shake like when I'm angry and it... it, it I'm always yeah, but, very... okay. If you next next time, you, I mean, it's totally understandable that. But if if you if you if you um, next time, if you find yourself in that position, you just squeeze your thigh muscles, and what happens is your voice will relax as well because you'll actually stop yourself shaking. But actually, you take tension off your throat. It's a really good one. 
That's fantastic. That that really is fantastic. I'm, I'm I'm so blown away by these tips. I can't wait to get to number three. Well, basically, look, basically, Mark, pub, public speaking is very simple. You know, stick your tongue out, squeeze your bum. That's just, that's it's not it's not rocket science. You might have saved everyone quite a bit of cash there. Right, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Let's move into the third and final actionable tip, sir. Well, I, I think the, the the main thing I would say is 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 start well, um, and and uh, one of the things about starting well um, is. We've got to know what it is the audience want. So we've got to put it, we've got to put our key message as the first thing we say. So um, if, if, you know, if you, there basically there are four ways of starting a talk. I mean, you, you can say, you know, here's a, here's a benefit. So I'm going to tell you how you can make a million dollars in the next five minutes, right? Or you can do it as a question. Who here wants to make a million dollars in the next five minutes? Um, you could have it as a shock tactic. You know, if we don't make a million dollars in the next five minutes, we're all toast. Or the, or the fourth one is start with a story, you know. So t- five years ago, you know, we opened a little factory here, and now look where we are. So there's a little story going on. So those are the four classic ways of starting. But what we want to do is we want to start straight away. What most people do is, and, and you, will, you will have heard this, and I'm sure we, you know, we've all been guilty of it ourselves, but the way not to start a talk is to come out there and say, um, you know, good afternoon, everybody. Hello. Um, you know, my name's Robin. I'm going to talk to you for maybe, you know, 40 minutes or so. And uh, maybe we'll take some Q&A afterwards. And uh, right, we all settle. So should we start? Right. That is your start. And it's a real waste because it's a bit rubbish. So what you want to do is lose all that, cut to the chase and come on and go, do you know what? This is the thing we got to talk about today. Right. No waffle. So no waffle at the start absolutely gets the point, and particularly try to say what, what the benefit is to the audience as to why they're there. If you can tell the audience why, why they're there in the first sentence, you've got them. It feels like the waffling version that you mentioned, which is completely ineffective, is either insecurity or a bit of a safety blanket. You know, it's that f- or, or lack of preparation, actually. Or lack of preparation. That sounds about yeah. right as well. Do, do, you know what, yeah, do you know what often, often happens is people will say, okay, okay Robin, so we're going to work on this speech. Let me just let me t- go run through what I've done so far, you know, and then, then we, can, we can work on it. So they'll talk, they'll talk for maybe, you know, 15, 20 minutes, whatever the length of their talk is. And normally, and this is, this is so uh, accurate, this, normally within three or four minutes, they say something, that actually is where they should have started. So I go, oh, okay, we'll stop there, right? Lose the first four minutes, just start there, right? So what they normally do is there's, there's lots of background stuff. And then after about three or four minutes, they say, so I suppose the real question is, I'm going, that's where we start, right? <laughs> you walk out on stage, you go, so the real question is that. And the audience go, bang, no waffle. Yeah, I, I can see how that would work, actually, because we all, yeah. It's like when you're writing something, you're writing a blog post or you're writing a book or whatever, you trim it down to the good stuff very quickly. Yeah, but, that, but that's the point, you see. You trim it down, which implies there's some preparation mm-hmm. there. In other words, you really thought about it. What most people do is they, they, they wing it a bit and they get there eventually. But you think by that point, the audience, you've lost the audience by that point. Yeah, that's you've, a, got to get, you've got to get them in the first sentence. That is a great And, good and it's point. really easy to do. I would imagine as well that there's there's a technique to doing this. So obviously, it be, obviously, it's very obvious to say this, but the more you do it, the more of a natural affinity you will have with where to start these things. Is that is that a fair assessment? Uh, I'm not sure it is actually. I think you, I think the more you do it, the more relaxed you'll be. Mm-hmm. That there's no doubt about that. Um, because because you, you know think oh I can do this now and it's not you know it's not quite so daunting. It's like anything you know first day at school, um, you know first day staying in a hotel. You know where's the restaurant? Where's the you know all that sort of stuff. You, you there you live in a hotel for a week. You start to know people's names and, and the same thing at school. So it's it the more you do it, the more you relax. But you can even get into bad you can easily get into bad habits. So it's not always the fact that you do it a lot. It may just be you do the wrong thing a lot. 
That's a great point, actually. Yeah. So it's, it's the key thing is no complacency. Keep moving. Yeah. Keep developing. Keep keep moving. Keep you know, and also listen to feedback. You know, the difficulty, of course, is knowing knowing um, you know who to ask for feedback, which is why having an outside coach is a good idea because there's no agenda going on. You know, so I go into working companies, but you know, I'm not after anyone's job. There's no there's no ladder going on or anything. I'm just I'm there for that person, and and that's um uh, you know really really neutral. Excuse me, really neutral feedback. Yeah, I think that's superb. And that is a fantastic place to pop a pin in that, Robin. Seriously, I could talk to you all day about this. It's so entertaining. No, no, I, I can go on for another five hours. It's fine. We, we, we can treat the breeze. It's fine. We should do a follow-up to this, absolutely, because I think there's, Let's do it. there's Let's so do it. much more in there. And just before we do stick a pin in it, sir, where is the best place for people to find you online? Any preference? Uh, well, they, they can go to uh, the company website, which is Zone2, that's Z-O-N-E, the number two, zone2.co.uk. Um, or you can go on to Amazon. You can buy uh, my book, which is called Speak So Your Audience Will Listen, um, which is um, doing very well on Amazon. So, uh, yeah, either of those two places. And um, Google Google me, Robin Kermode, and uh, you'll, you'll find lots of stuff online, I'm sure. Amazing. Thank you so much, sir. That really has been a pleasure. Fantastic. Thank you for having me, Mark. Always fun, always fun. And, guys... Listen, everything that myself and Robin have spoken about will be available at excellence-expected.com. So all the links, everything that we've mentioned, and even a recap of those techniques that Robin mentioned. And whilst you're over there, there's a million things that you can do to help your small business. And don't forget, you can join me this Friday at 12 p.m. UK over on Periscope for the Small Business Lunch. 15 minutes, get a brew, let's sit down, let's solve some problems for your business. Check it out, guys. And until next time, don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Goodbye.